I'm not sure where uh, it all started at, where this uh, mentality came from. This idea that what we do in private doesn't affect who we are publicly. The fact is we, we live in a culture that the values shift all the time. There's a lot of gray. There's, there seems to be this uh, disconnect, this inconsistency. And here's the bold truth. If, whether, whether you find yourself in a copy room somewhere or a boardroom or a corner office or the Oval Office, who you are when nobody is looking is who you are. Every day we have an opportunity to sway, to impact, to influence other people with our integrity. Those opportunities, those interchanges, those conversations, those transactions, those situations, whether it's with a client, a customer, a colleague, maybe a coworker, maybe a boss or an employee, Maybe it's a director or uh, an agency. Those opportunities that come our way every moment of every day, integrity is on the line. You know, the word integrity, we've talked about this before. It comes from the word integer. It's a whole number. And so if you have integrity in your life, It gives you completeness. It gives you wholeness. And that's my character. That's your character. And sadly, many today lack that wholeness. They lack that completeness. They lack in character. The character's been reduced. There are a lot of fractions running around, so to speak. Hey, I'm a half, you know, I'm a fourth or whatever. And I was thinking about this. It's not like one day you show up at the office or the work site and you decide you're going to turn your back on integrity. The fact is it happens very slowly, very methodically. In other words, you don't just one day go, you know what, I am done with integrity. No, it's more subtle than that. It begins with your thought process changing Instead of asking, what is the right thing to do, you go, what can I get by with legally? Which ultimately, I will tell you, will deteriorate into what can I get away with in my life? I mean, do you see the progress here? Do you see how it plays out? It's a little bit at a time. Suddenly you're doing things that aren't right. Suddenly you're doing things that do not line up with God's word. Integrity, and this isn't by chance, I think. Right in the middle of it, you got a word. Grit. And I believe it takes grit to have integrity. It takes substance. It takes power to live that stuff out. Integrity is a vision issue. You know, our integrity or lack of integrity has to do with the things that we focus on. 
you know, where we focus in our lives. I saw an advertisement a while back. It was for the eyeglass company, Lens Crafters. See what you love. And it got me thinking. I mean, what we focus on in our lives is what we love, true? What we focus on is what we see. And what we focus on is what we move toward in our lives. And so if you want to become a person of integrity, I believe it's going to take everything you have, and it means that you have to change your focus. You have to correct the lenses, so to speak, and adjust the optics in your life. In fact, if you truly love God, you'll focus on pleasing God. And that focus will move you toward integrity. As you move closer to God, you move closer to integrity in your life. And I will tell you, integrity is worth it. I mean, how do you, how do you integrate biblical integrity into every area of your life? Well, the first thing that I think you have to do is come to terms and see very clearly what God's chain of command is. You have to submit to that chain of command. And I will tell you, this is something I think most people struggle with. Now, I was talking to a friend, this has been a couple years ago, and the company that he was working with uh, and at, they were going through a lot of transitions at the time. And the, we got talking about loyalty when they were going through those transitions. And he was telling me how leadership at that time was kind of weak in the company. And there were times that he knew more than the leadership knew in particular areas, yet they were very dismissive of him. And and I asked him, I said, well, how do you keep your cool with that? Because you seem to navigate the waters pretty good. And I remember him saying to me, Damon... I just remember it's God's design. He says, God's placed me here at this company. And I have this position. And I have people that that answer to me. And I have people that I answer to. And he says, as long as I remember that that order, it's easier to, to navigate. And now, today, I mean, this, like I said, that was several years ago. He holds a top position in, the, in that company. And I believe that he is where he is today, not only because he's very talented and he has a strong work ethic, but I believe because of his loyalty, because he stayed with God's flowchart, so to speak. He, he honored God's chain of command through those years. Everywhere you turn in life, you see God's structure. I mean, God has, for example, God's placed uh, coaches they have authority over what? The players. You know, teachers have authority over the students. Bosses are in authority over the employees. It's God's chain of command. God designed that. Romans 13, Paul writes this. He says, it is important that all of us submit to the authorities who have charge over us because God establishes what? All authority, all authority, all authority, not some, all authority in heaven and on earth. Here's the question. Are you submitting 
to God's chain of command? Are you submitting to whoever the authorities in your life are? You know, Jesus later, he would say, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. And I just wonder, as you think about authority, think about what Jesus said here, are you shining at work? Are you shining at work? Because I could imagine walking in the uh, kind of typical office and looking around and going, you know, on the surface it looks pretty good. Things look calm. They seem to be well-functioning. But if you dig under the surface, there's kind of a dangerous current under there many times. Little uh, clicks, little groups that gather, whether it be in the break room or someone's office or in a cubicle somewhere. And, and they're taking shots, taking shots at the president or the boss or the managers or the you know, supervisors. You know, a little uh, statement here and there little innuendo, and I always find it interesting. And then they see the boss. Hey, how's it going? Glad to see you. Friends, it's a respect issue here. And I know as I say that, some of you are going to push back a little bit and go, but I don't respect my boss. I don't respect my supervisor. No, you misunderstood what I just said. This is a respect issue issue. And I'm not talking about your boss. I'm talking about your God. Respect for God is on the plate here. You know, in other words, that God has put that person over you, that boss, that supervisor, that manager. God has put them there for a reason. You know, we are to respect authority. I mean, what would happen Monday, you roll into the office, roll into the work site, and if instead of taking shots at the boss, taking shots at the manager, what if you respected and protected their position? What if you stood up for the structure? Now, don't misunderstand. I'm not saying when you see your boss, like, run out and hug him, okay? Give him a high five, But what I'm saying is to respect the position, to respect God's chain of command here. You know, Paul writes, he says, bondservants, obeying everything, those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing fearing the Lord. You catch that little phrase, not by way of eye service. It's not just about appearing to be obedient. Friends, it is bigger than the optics here. It is a heart issue in your life. Obeying out of fearful respect, not not your boss, out of fearful respect for God's chain of command. I remember I was a sophomore in high school, and uh, I got a chance to do a short internship with uh, Bresmer's ad ad agency. Basically, I ran errands, okay? I was a gopher. You know, if they needed something, I ran it, ran and did it. But I learned some stuff 
But as I was working there, it was kind of comical because the big boss, he was on the floor above us. And I would watch grown men and women sprint back to their desks and act like they were working when he would hit the, hit the floor. Now, if he was out of the building for the day, I would look around, people would be kicked back at their desks, they'd be reading magazines, they'd be goofing off, they'd be in the break room just chilling. Friends, I was a teenager, and I remember watching that, and I thought, this isn't right. This isn't right. I realized later, the reason why I knew that wasn't right was it was a respect issue, and it's a spiritual issue. I mean, do you respect God's chain of command? And I want to say something to parents here. Are you teaching your children to honor God's chain of command? Not not just by what you say, by what you do. You know, values are caught more than they're taught. We talk about that often. Your children are watching you. Your grandchildren are watching you. I mean, what is your attitude about the government? What's your attitude about the police, about teachers? What's your attitude about your boss or your supervisor? And I will tell you, be very careful. I mean, are you modeling respect in your life? Because your kids are taking their cues from you. And if you're not respecting God's chain of command, well, I will tell you, you may come to a point in your life where you will regret that. Kids are smart. They're smart. And they will take your reasoning, whatever it is, as they see it played out in your life, and they'll, they'll use it. They'll go, oh, I get it, I get it. When, when you don't like the structure... When, when you don't like the chain of command and it's not working for you, you rebel. That's what you do. It's okay to do your own thing. I mean, when you disagree, well, then you, you can resist. It's okay. And I will tell you, you may be setting yourself up. That moment when you go, I told you to do such, and I'm your parent. And they'll go, so? come back and bite you. Here's the second thing. You need to adjust your your lenses. You know, you need to focus on on building a contagious work ethic. You know, a few years ago, I was playing basketball, and uh, my grandson was with me, Dason. He he was about seven at the time, and uh, he he loves uh, going, going with me when I play ball. And I had just got done playing, uh, had actually played a pretty good game, so I was feeling pretty good about myself, and I sat down next to him and was catching my breath, waiting for the next game, and, and he goes, Grandpa, could you beat LeBron? I paused for him. I thought. I thought about it. Yeah. I go, no, buddy. Grandpa couldn't beat LeBron. He goes, Will you get back in there and work harder then? (laughs) Yeah. Now he thinks he can beat me in basketball himself. But, uh, (laughs) friends, 
get back in there and work harder. Build a contagious work ethic in your life so that other people see it. I mean, we've said in this series, Undercover Boss, we've said work is a gift from God. That our work is to be worship before God. And the fact is, we do not just work for a boss, we ultimately work for God. We are made in the image of God. We are fashioned with unique aptitudes and abilities. And we are to use those gifts to bring glory to God and to influence other people. Twofold. People are watching you. People are watching. They've got their faces pressed against the window of your life, and they want to see integrity. They want to see if your behavior and your beliefs, if they actually sync up in your life. They want to see how you respond to God's chain of command when things don't go the way you want. They, they want to re- see how you respond to the menial tasks when nobody's watching. They want to see what kind of work ethic you have. I mean, what happens at, at your job If you finish a few hours ahead of time, before the end of your day, what do you do? Kick back? Join in the chit-chat? You know, hang around, play games, surf the net, watch a movie? I don't know. I I was talking to a guy a while back, and uh, he said he regularly will finish up two, three hours before the end of his shift. Do you know what he does? He helps other people with their work. And he said some people don't like it. They complain about him helping. But here's what I will bet. I will bet that his work ethic will influence other people and it will become contagious. You know, I I love uh, announcers when they are uh, describing bona fide superstars in sports. You know, people like LeBron James, you know, Mike Trout or Sidney Crosby. I mean, these guys have a contagious work ethic. They're known for it. They, They work and they study and they prepare and they practice hard and they motivate their teams. They, they have that contagious work ethic that raises their teams to, to another level. I mean, what could you do at your job? Who could you influence? If you just ask God to build in you a contagious work ethic, if you regularly and consistently, as you work, you tackle those tasks with tenacious, just, just tenacious, Friends, God has called us, Christians, God has called you to influence other people. And your work is worship. Everybody close your eyes for just a moment. And I want you to think about the person that you report to. I want you to picture them, that that president, that CEO, that manager, supervisor. Everybody got that person? Now I want you to picture Jesus Christ. Now, open your eyes. Look at me. 
What if you reported to Jesus Christ? What if he was your boss? Because he is. He's your undercover boss. You know, if you're going to influence other people with your integrity, they have got to see some fundamental things. For instance, they've got to see that you are committed to truthful acts in all your work. You know, Paul writes, he says, thieves must give up stealing. Rather, let them labor and work honestly with their own hands. There's a lot of stealing going on in this world, especially when you begin to dissect and actually look at work, you know, our vocations. There's a lot of lying. There's a lot of dishonesty. There's a lot of thievery and duplicity. A lot of stuff going on in the marketplace. Are you committed to truthful acts? You know, I heard the other day about a woman. She went into a meat market to get a chicken. And she went in and uh, she said, I need a chicken. The butcher headed to the back, got in the cooler. He got the last chicken. They didn't have any more. He had one. He put it on the scales and uh, he told the woman what it weighed. And she was like, "Ah, I really need a chicken that weighs maybe six, eight ounces more. So the, pit, the butcher, he headed to the back, and he got in the cooler, and he kind of hung out waiting. He's got the chicken, and, and so he brings the same chicken back out and puts it up on the scale and kind of keeps his thumb on there. And he goes, yeah, this one's nine ounces heavier. Lady thought about it for a moment, and she uh, goes, yeah, I'll take both chickens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honesty best policy always. You know, do you steal time from the company that you work with? I mean, do you take office supplies home for personal use? Do you pad the expense account? I mean, what would happen if you were to come clean? What if you were to make things right? What if you were to all of a sudden have your behavior and your beliefs match up with one another? You know, integrity, it starts with I. I will be a person of integrity. Or I won't be a person of integrity. It's, it's a decision you got to make. You know, Proverbs says, Go to the ant, you slacker. Observe its ways and become wise without leader, administrator, or ruler. It prepares its provisions in summer. It gathers its food during the harvest. You know, I read that and I think, you know, ants do not need like a big shot ant to tell them to do what they're supposed to do. You know, come on, come on, guys, we're going to invade the picnic. Come on, carry those crumbs. You know, let's go, move it, move it, move it. Come on, let's go with this. You don't have that. Ants are self-starters. Ants... have a work ethic. They understand what they're supposed to do. They understand where they fit in. Do you? Do you? You Proverbs says the integrity of the upright guides them. But the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. Remember I said earlier, integrity, it comes from the word integer, whole number, 
completeness and character. Yet there are many people today that are fractions. Well, I tell the truth most of the time. I tell the truth half the time. Partial honesty. I mean, that is living a life based on duplicity. You know, before we we go further, I want to talk about some of the... uh, uh, what, what integrity will cost you. Because it, it does come with a cost. I mean, there are relational costs, there are emotional costs, there are vocational costs, and hold on to your seats, sometimes there are financial costs in having integrity. You know, if you say, I'm going to build my life on integrity, and you take that step, it may cost you. I remember years ago, I was reading uh, about uh, Jack Eckerd. He owns Eckerd uh, uh, convenience or uh, drug stores. And they said the day after he became a Christian, that he walked in one of his stores. And he owned 2,300 of them at the time. And they, they said as he walked in, he saw his stores for the first time with very fresh eyes as being a follower of Jesus Christ. And they said the first thing he saw was the magazine rack. And they had a section that was pornography. And they said he immediately called the executives. And he said, pull every one of the magazines from the shelves. Nationwide, he did that. He said he didn't want to be a part of anything that, that ruins societies, that demeans women, that, that goes against God's ways. And a few days after he had those all removed... A reporter asked him, he said, why'd you get rid of the magazines? He said, because I'm a Christian. He says, why else would I throw away millions of dollars? Friends, integrity will cost you, especially in our culture today. You know, because of integrity, you may get stuck on a rung and not be able to climb any higher. You know, you may have a client that will not sign up with you, or they may dump you because you're not willing to play over in the shades of gray. You may have a, a coworker that will sabotage you. You may get derailed from that fast track. Because of integrity, you might not get the promotion. But there is an upside if you maintain integrity in your life, and I will tell you those benefits far outweigh the costs. I mean, the first thing is you have a clear conscience. If you talk to anyone that has been on that track of having integrity in their life for a long time, they will tell you it is something that money cannot buy. You know, the Apostle Paul, he he understood this. He's testifying in court in Caesarea. He was fighting for his own life, but he said this. He says, therefore, I do my best always to have a clear conscience toward God and all people. Clear conscience toward God, clear conscience toward all people. You know, there's an old, old saying, I heard it when I was a kid, that there's no pillow so soft as a clear conscience. There is a freedom, an energy, a calmness, and in fact, a spirit that you don't have to remember all the little half lies that you've told. There's something freeing about that. And in fact, today, you could leave this place clear and clean. You could say, today's a new day. You know, ask for forgiveness 
for those things that you kind of shaded. Ask God for forgiveness. Go to the person. Ask for forgiveness. Make things right. Dishonesty is not worth it. I don't, I don't care how much money you make dealing in the grays. It is not worth it. You know, years ago, I worked with a guy, deep levels of deception in his life. And he was very, very gifted and talented. But he built his whole life around lies. And I watched him as the paranoia began to set in and the anxiety and the insomnia and this path that he had chosen for himself, I mean, stole his peace, destroyed his family, took his future from him, and ultimately it cost him his freedom. Prince, the price was too high. It was brutal to watch. Clear conscience. That's a benefit. Here's the second benefit. You end up with clear values in your life. Francis Schaeffer, he he writes this. He says, when a society no longer has absolutes, then they base everything on particulars. And when they base everything on particulars, the result is what? Chaos. That defines our culture. We're experiencing chaos. I mean, we got chaos in our government. We got it in our educational system. You look at the crime rate. I mean, chaos. Our view of sex, chaos, turmoil, confusion. We are rudderless in our society because we lack absolutes. You know, we have sidelined God's word. We have edited it. We have reworded it. In fact, many times we just removed it. There is no right or wrong. You decide what truth is for you. I'll decide what it is for me. If it feels good, do it. Go for it. What you do in private does not affect who you are. Give me a break, friends. It is not what the Bible says. You know, God's ways, God says, my ways are right. You know, God wants us to have clear values. God wants his word to give us clarity in our lives, to to help guide us and to just give us clarity. You know, I talk to people all the time, they have parents, and they'll say, you know, I want to impact my kids. I want my kids to have good values. Kids catch their values more than they learn their values. They, they establish it not, not just by what they, they hear, but what they see optically. They're watching you. They're watching me. They're watching society. They're watching people that they look up to. And what happens when they see you ripping off some supplies, using some stuff for personal use? You know, kids, kids are smart. They start reasoning. They go, oh, I get it. I get it. It's okay to take stuff. Just don't get caught. I mean, what happens when you're on the phone to a boss and your children, they're listening to the conversation? I mean, you may think they're not paying attention. And you may think, oh, my kids aren't that perceptive. Trust me, they're listening. 
So you're talking to the boss, the boss is pressing you about something, you know, get, finishing up a project or why, why you're running behind. And so instead of coming clean, you start phoning up, I call it, you know, begin twisting and turning the truth. You begin telling a few little lies and incidentally, little lies, big lies, 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 it doesn't matter. Your kids are listening and they're piecing it together. Oh, I get it. Your back gets against the wall. Why? You know, make up a story. Then, then everything will be okay. I'm going to say it one more time. Values are caught more than they're taught. You can say something until you're blue in the face. But your kids are going to be watching to see what reality is. Do you have clear values? Do you have God-honoring values? See, the benefit of integrity is not only do you have a clear conscience, but you got clear values. And when that is clear, then you will have a clear direction in your life. And this is the last one here. Clear direction. Do you realize that right now, we all have the opportunity to, to revolutionize the River Bend area, the St. Louis area. But integrity starts with us, starts with you, starts with me. And I wonder what would happen if the 700, 750 people that call Faith Fellowship home, what would happen if we made the macro decision to choose integrity in every area of our life. You know, Proverbs 3, 6, it says, In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. If we all made that macro decision, that big decision, that we will acknowledge God in all of our ways, all of our ways, Friends, I'll tell you, when the micro decisions that come our way on a daily basis, on a moment-by-moment basis, we will already know what we're going to do because we've made the big decision. We'd have clear direction in our lives. And that direction, as we moved toward it, as we did the God-honoring thing, it would influence our children, our coworkers, our community, and ultimately our country. And I know some of you are going, really, Damon? We're going to influence the country. We can. You remember the story of Jack Eckerd? The year that he removed pornography from his stores because of his Christian faith, he said, this isn't going to happen. Other drugstores heard about it. And it influenced them. And because of his stance of integrity, 15,000 other drugstores removed pornography from their shelves. A costly decision financially. Huge paybacks. And especially from an eternal perspective. And here's my question. It's real simple today. What can you do in your corner of the world? Because people are pressing their faces to the window of your life. And they want to see, does your behavior and your beliefs, do they sync up?
isn't it time that all of us integrated integrity into every single area of our life so you can see clearly? You know, some of you, it's fogged up right now. It will help clear your vision for your life. But also so other people can see. They can see what you stand for, what you believe, who you belong to as a Christian. You know, what do people see? What do they see in your life? What does God see? Those are defining questions. They're defining questions. Let's bow in a word of prayer together. Our holy God, God, I pray that um, your Holy Spirit would just press us. That we, we would realize that everything we do, everything we say, that you see it. God, I pray that would just um, instill in us fear, respect, that everything we do would be pleasing in your sight. That we'd acknowledge your ways every day, every moment, every decision, every conversation. And God, I pray that you would use our lives to influence others, that others would, as they look, would just go, you know what? Their love for God, it shines. God, help our behavior and our beliefs to sync up. God, use us to make a difference in other people's lives, to draw other people to the kingdom. God, we just thank you for all the opportunities that you place before us. And as we work, may it be worship in your sight. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. God's people said. We're going to prepare for communion. Let's stand and let's uh, worship together.